Our second scripture lesson comes from Paul's first letter to the Corinthian church, the second chapter. And with apologies to those following in the bulletin or those following along with the, with the streaming on the bottom of your screen, the scrolling, I will be reading the entire second chapter of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 2, hear the word of God. When I came to you, brothers and sisters, I did not come proclaiming the mystery of God to you in lofty words or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I came to you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. My speech and my proclamation were not with plausible words of wisdom, but with a demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith might rest not on human wisdom, but on the power of God. Yet, among the mature, we do not speak wisdom, though it is not a wisdom of this age. Um, yet, among the mature, we do speak wisdom, though it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to perish. But we speak God's wisdom, secret and hidden, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the human heart conceived, what God has prepared for those who love God. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For what human being knows what is truly human except the human spirit that is within? So also no one comprehends what is truly God's except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit that is from God, so that we may understand the gifts bestowed on us by God. And we speak of these things in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual things to those who are spiritual. Those who are unspiritual do not receive the gifts of God's Spirit, for they are foolishness to them, and they are unable to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Those who are spiritual discern all things, and they are themselves subject to no one else's scrutiny. For who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we, we have the mind of Christ. This is the word of the Lord. I did not come proclaiming the mystery of God to you in lofty words or wisdom. The Apostle Paul writes to the church. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Proclaiming the mystery of God in weakness and fear and not in words of wisdom. Not with the wisdom of this age, not with human wisdom. God's wisdom revealed through the spirit. The very depth of God is not taught by human wisdom, but by the Spirit of God's wisdom, secret and hidden, revealed to us by the Spirit. Not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit that is from God. 
In that spirit, according to Paul, we have, we have the mind of Christ. God's mercy. No one can truly comprehend God, God's love, God's grace, God's mercy, except by the Spirit of God. For the Apostle Paul, the Spirit of God points to Jesus Christ and him crucified. To know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Except. This is my body, broken for you. In one of her sermons on the last words of Christ from the cross, the Episcopalian priest Fleming Rutledge says that for Jews and Gentiles alike in those days, a crucified person was as low and despised as it was possible to be. She points out that the Romans declared that a person condemned to death by crucifixion was domnatio ad bestius, condemned to the death of a beast. She quotes the historian Peter Brown saying that the passion narrative of the Gospels, the spitting, the scorn, the crown of thorns, the purple road was all a very ancient ritual of humiliation. Nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified. This is my body broken for you. The writer of Luke's gospel, you will remember, labeled the crucifixion as a spectacle. When all the crowds who had gathered there for this spectacle saw what had taken place, they returned home beating their breasts. Earlier in Luke, as Jesus tells the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector going up to the temple to pray, the tax collector could not even look up to, look up to heaven when praying, he could only beat his breast and say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Beating his breast as a sign of God's, one's own lowliness, sinfulness before God. Beating the breast can be a sign of lament or grief. But when it comes to the crowds and the spectacle of Christ crucified, those crowds who demanded his death, who stayed to watch until his breath was gone, who left beating their breasts, it seems more to me like a crowd of drunk fans raucously leaving a game and celebrating that their team won. This is my body broken for you. I was struck by the first sentences I read in an essay penned late Friday night a week ago by an African-American journalist. Quote, the spectacle of a televised countdown to the showing of the video in which Tyree Nichols was savagely beaten by Memphis police officers doesn't just theatricalize black death, it is a damning indictment of American perversion. Spectacle. Humanity's sinful thirst for spectacle that never seems to change. We speak of these things in words not taught by human wisdom, Paul writes to the church. Taught not by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit. Nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified. This is my body broken for you.
The Gospel of Matthew records that at the Last Supper, Jesus said, take, eat, this is my body. In Mark, it is, take, this is my body. Luke reads, this is my body, which is given for you. Here in 1 Corinthians, later, the Apostle Paul offers what tradition calls the words of institution. For I received from the Lord what I also handed on to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body that is for you. Some ancient Greek manuscripts read, This is my body that is broken for you. Paul makes sure to include you. Paul emphasizes and doesn't let the church forget, won't let all who will follow the Christ ever deny his body broken for you. To come to this table, to eat of this bread and to drink of this cup is to proclaim his death until he comes again. For before you sing, Jesus Christ is risen today, you have to sing, O sacred head, now wounded. Before you go to the empty tomb and shout, you have to stand beneath the cross and weep. Before you proclaim, Christ is risen. Before you proclaim, Christ is risen. You have to come to grips both deep down in your soul and in the Christian life you are called to profess and so live you have to come face to face with Jesus Christ and him crucified. This is my body broken for you. The Reverend Dr. Brian, Brian Blunt is retiring at the end of this spring term as president of Union Presbyterian Seminary in Richmond, Virginia and Charlotte, North Carolina. Professor Blunt taught New Testament for 15 years here at Princeton Theological Seminary. He and his wife, Sharon, raised their children in the Witherspoon Street Presbyterian Church. And I've always been struck by the remarkable way that Dr. Blunt's academic work reads like his sermons sound. Just a year or two before he left Princeton Seminary for the presidency at Union Richmond, Professor Blunt was working on and publishing books on the book of Revelation. Can I Get a Witness is one of those books. It's subtitled, Reading Revelation Through African-American Culture. Dr. Blunt, in a chapter where he unpacks the slaughtered lamb upon the throne in the book of Revelation, Dr. Blunt writes this. When you throw weakness around, Worlds change, empires fall, justice rises. People get hurt, even perhaps especially the people who make the change happen. The draconian devil believes it has found a way to return fire against God by establishing on earth the lordship it could not claim in heaven. The power of countless legions at its back, the partnership of all the kings of the earth by its side, the wealth of the world's economy in its pocket, the rearmed adversary has ignited a conflict. It is certain it has all the necessary strength to win. Professor Blunt goes on to describe the way of the lamb and God's way of wreaking weakness around the world. He 
unpacks Revelation's symbolism of the defenseless wounded lamb leading God's response with a motley crew of unarmed, nonviolent disciples following behind, straining all the boundaries of human wisdom, according to Blunt. God apparently believes this strategy, the way of the lamb, he writes, will win the eternal day and transform human history into a reality in which the dragon is dead and God dwells directly and securely with God's people. The way of the lamb. Or as Paul writes in 1 Corinthians, God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom. God's weakness is stronger than human strength. Nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified. This is my body broken for you. Just a few years ago, Calvin University professor Kristen Dumay published a compelling, provocative, troubling book entitled Jesus and John Wayne. How white evangelicals corrupted a faith and fractured a nation. The author does not offer a theological or biblical treatise that focuses on Jesus. It's more of a cultural study of how evangelicals embraced the tough, kick-butt masculinity of cowboy John Wayne in the 1950s, and how that started a decades-long development of a view of Jesus contrary to the gospel, a kind of hyper-masculinity preaching and teaching that portrays a tough guy Jesus who embodies a militant, conquering, victorious, dominating, even threatening masculinity. In the introduction to the book, Dr. Dumay writes, evangelicals claim to uphold the Bible as the highest authority in the Christian life. When evangelicals define themselves in terms of Christ's atonement, or as a dis disciples of a risen Christ, what sort of Jesus are they imagining? Is their savior a conquering warrior, a man's man who takes no prisoners and wages a holy war? Or is he a sacrificial lamb who offers himself up for the restoration of all things? How one answers these questions will determine what it looks like to follow Jesus. to know nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified. One cannot quickly brush off that ancient ritual of humiliation that the savior of the world willingly endured. To know nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified. One cannot unsee in the sacred imagination that spectacle where humanity's never-ending lust for power, domination, violence, and the brutal killing of another person, a child of God, God's own son, a killing sanctioned by the empire. To know nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified is to honestly tell the world the sordid, truth-filled history of the Christian church all around the world when the Christ of the Gospels and his teaching is twisted and distorted beyond recognition and then used for political gain 
or to promulgate a, a dangerous Christian nationalism that demonizes other faiths or to endorse worldly power or to denigrate and subjugate and abuse another person, a child of God, a child of God's own making. To know nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified is to have the hymn from Philippians forever etched in your heart. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, assuming human likeness, and being found in appearance as a human, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. This is my body broken for you. Some yearn to worship a Jesus of their own mind's making. Except, except according to Paul, the promise of God and the power of God's spirit and as a gift of God's grace. The promise is not that we would have a savior, a Messiah, a Jesus of our own mind's making. No. No. The promise is much more profound than that. Not that we would have the Christ of our own minds making. The promise of God is that we would have the mind of Christ. Nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified. This is my body broken for you. Amen.